0: This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown! Terrence Williams! It goes to the right side for Crabtree, it's caught. Oh he
1: puts
0: the water Red Raider! the up the right side Yachty's gotta go, he's tackled Sam Houston, hands up. The Bearcats capture the.
1: Championship. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football, a show that has committed far less penalties than Texas committed in a single game this week. My name is Mallory Hartley. I am the associate producer here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Stepping in as host today, as Ish is driving back from Austin. He spent most of the week in the rgb and then you went to austin uh, to hang out with some close friends of his so i am stepping in as host today on the other line is the very happy i'm assuming college football insider a proud utsa fan and graduate mike craven mike how you doing have you recovered yet
0: doing pretty good it was a, a fun saturday at the alamo dome um uh, hoping with hoping ish a happy uh, return from his vacation down in the rgv it looked like they did a lot more eating and fun than they did work so i'm not going to hear about <laughs> any of their tiredness this week or anything any complaints like that are going to fall on deaf ears
1: uh, i'm sure i'm sure i saw a lot of good pictures of of some food that they got to eat so kind of jealous that we didn't get to go but hey we did some work while we were here yep. right <laughs> yeah This is episode 232 of the Republic of Football. I made sure to tell everybody that because Ish does not like to do that. So I made it a point this week to point that out. We had a few pretty good, decent games this weekend. Every FBS team played 11 matchup in total. Of course, two teams got to play each other and we'll get right into that. So let's go ahead and start off with the headliner. TCU beating Kansas State thirty-eight to twenty-eight, and my goodness gracious, the Horn Frogs are back. And just looking at that score, you wouldn't believe that TCU was down twenty-eight to ten at one point. Uh, TCU said, "Hang on, we're not done yet," and then went off to score twenty-eight unanswered points to close out the game. Kansas State did not, in fact, score again after midway through this second corner. Um, Just by looking at the stats of this game, it just looks like that they just hit Kansas State with a super balanced offensive attack, 495 total yards, 280 passing, 215 rushing. And man, Max Duggan looked fantastic. He went 17 for 26, 280 yards and three touchdowns. Just in my opinion, an all around great performance by the Horn Frogs.
0: Yeah, another good comeback win. You know, last week they were down 24 to seven at one point against OK State and and came back. They were helped out a little bit by some injuries. Adrian Martinez, the the quarterback for Kansas State, went out there in the first half. Mm -hmm. Will Howard, the backup, kind of went in and out as well, injured. Um, So that was beneficial for TCU, but they just kind of stayed the course. You know, like you said, Max Duggan, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Kundre Miller, 153 yards and two touchdowns. They won the turnover battle. Um, mm-hmm. 2-0 and it just feels like a team that's playing for each other that's playing together and has no quit to be able to come back from double digit deficits to the arguably the other two best teams in the Big 12 Uh, very impressive impressive for the Horn Frogs now that they're in set now that they're at 7-0 and and have tiebreakers over both teams that have one loss with Kansas State and Oklahoma State they have one foot in a Big 12 championship game they can win they can lose one game down the stretch and still have some wiggle room there so Uh, Sonny Dykes the Horned Frogs looking fantastic I think the only downside for TCU right now is their bye weeks in the rearview mirror they had it Mm -hmm. so early that they have to just keep going and keep going and keep going uh, next up at West Virginia but uh, another test pass for Sonny Dykes and TCU and you know I keep waiting for them to fall back to earth but this just may be who they are they're a super talented team that's playing really hard playing sound winning turnover battles and you're going to win a lot of football games that way
1: I was going to say, this looks like a team that's in the hunt for a Big 12 title. Um, like you said, they're 7-0, first in the Big 12 right now. And it, yeah, they've got West Virginia next. But the four games after that, I mean, they've got a tough stretch coming up. They play Texas Tech at home. They have to go to Texas, which will be a fantastic game. They play at Baylor, and then they close it out with Iowa State. But to me, it just looks like that, that this team knows what they want. Um, they've proven that they can come back, like you said, from two of the best team being down from two of the best teams in the big 12. And it just looks like that they know what they want and they're going to go get it.
0: Yep. And they have some margin of error now with those tiebreakers and stuff. They can lose one, possibly two games and still get to the big 12 championship.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Moving on. Let's get to another top big 12 matchup. Not the same outcome, though. Texas losing to Oklahoma State 41 to 34. And to me, like I, I alluded to it at the beginning of this podcast, I think the most wild stat to me um, is just comparing the penalties in this entire game committed by each team. Texas committed 14 penalties for 119 yards, and uh, Oklahoma State committed zero. I mean, to me, that. That's just a wild, and that to me right there kind of just tells you everything you need to know about this Texas team. I mean, what do you think?
0: I know which team's staying in the Big 12 next year, and it's the the team that had zero penalties called against them. A lot of those were, you know, there's going to be talk about that discrepancy today, and a lot of those were pre-snap fouls and obvious penalties on Texas. Uh, but if you're a referee, I mean, there's holding on every single call you have to or every single play. You have to call some you know, penalties on the other team. A couple right. a couple of penalties were called on Oklahoma State that were either uh, declined or canceled out. And so uh, it was just one of those weird games. Quinn Ewers was bad. You know, 19 to 49, bad. three interceptions. He was eight of 25 in the second half. They threw the ball 15 more times than the, than they ran it. And to me, that's the interesting part. This was always a close game. You know, this was never more than a one-possession game either way Uh, for most of that game. Texas had a double-digit lead at one point in the second half, Mm -hmm. yet they were still throwing the ball a lot. Quinn Ewers was 8 of 25 in the second half. That's 25 passing attempts in the second half. That's way too many. Uh, Bajon Robinson, Rashawn Johnson, those guys need more touches. This is the sixth loss after halftime in 20 games for Steve Mm -hmm. Sarkeesian where he's had a halftime lead. You know, that that at some point, that's a trend. Sark is 10 and 10 after yeah. his first 20 games at Texas. Uh, Parks Parker on, on Twitter had the stat up there. Tom Herman was 13 and seven. Charlie mm-hmm. Strong was nine and 11. You know, so Steve Sarkisian's in the middle of those two guys. And both of those two guys were ran out of Texas a lot earlier than, than some imagined. And so one and six on the road under Sark. It just has not been good. We talked about how they had to keep passing tests. They played a four-quarter football game against Oklahoma, but Oklahoma's not very good. Yeah, They were able to beat an Iowa State team at home uh, in a fist fight, but Iowa State's not that good either. And so this was a a team that they played that was a good team that's a Big 12 contender, and they couldn't hold on. They scored 31 points in the first half. They scored three in the second half. You just can't win football games that way if you're not going to play for four quarters. The biggest question I had was, do you bench Quinn? Yeah, I, I know you don't bench him long term, right? He's going to start the next game. But in that moment, when he's struggling and nothing's going on offensively, do you replace him with Hudson Carr to just see if he can jumpstart the offense? I can under, I can see both sides to that argument. Uh, but it felt like Texas needed to spark offensively in the second half, and they just could not get it from their five star quarterback.
1: Mm-hmm. And one of those interceptions was made on uh, Texas opening drive. Do you think that kind of set the tone for how the rest of the game was going to be played?
0: Oh, sorry, hold on. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it helps, right? You know, Quinn's. You know, the superpower that Quinn has is that he's kind of like a duck, like duck feathers on water, right? Everything <laughs> just kind of rolls off him. He's just, he's just kind of even keeled. Well, that can be a good thing when bad stuff happens, but it can also be a bad thing when bad stuff happens because right. you don't have that sense of urgency. It just didn't. It didn't feel like Texas knew it was in a dogfight until it was too late. I thought the play calling was a little bit more odd than maybe the play. But when the wind's blowing that hard, and we got to also remember, this was when Ewers' his first true road game of his college career. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that Oklahoma game's a neutral site game where 50% of the people in the stands are rooting for you. This is the first time that he was in a real road uh, test, and he he failed it. And so we'll see how Texas rebounds from that. But they're at two losses in conference play, both of them on the road both of them with double-digit leads in the second half, right? It's just a familiar pattern for, pattern for Longhorn fans.
1: Mm-hmm. And I saw this stat that was kind of cool. It just said Oklahoma State has the most wins over Texas in a 10-year stretch. So just kind of an interesting stat to throw out there and, in terms of the Big 12 and, and stuff like that. So not a, not a great game, not a great showing for Texas. Now that leads to the question, do you think we'll see Quinn or start next week?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, even if he had been benched in the middle of this game, I think he's still. The, yeah. 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 You know, I don't think he needs to be replaced. There's just some times where the quarterback shouldn't be untouchable. Right. And in your fourth start, you're not that right. You're not Aaron Rodgers. You're not Bryce mm-hmm. Young. You're not you're not guys who have just done it game in game out for a year or two and have skins on the wall. You're still a young guy figuring it out. I don't think you should be untouchable. I I think it should be like any other position. If Quinn Ewers played wide receiver and he had a game like he did yesterday, he would have been benched. If Uh he played safety, if he played linebacker, if he played offensive tackle, if he played running back. Quarterback, I know is a different position, but it shouldn't be so untouchable to where you lose football games in the present, worrying about psyche of the future. Yep, absolutely.
1: All right, let's move on to our final game. or, Or I guess our final game of the week, which was... UTSA and their big win over the North Texas mean green 31 to 27. And just to just, I know you were at the game and I'm going to ask you about that minute, but man, the, the, just to sum up the ending of that game. I mean, my heart, I know my heart was just pounding, um, three touchdowns in the last two minutes and 36 seconds of the game, North Texas scores with about a minute and 38 left in the game to take the lead 27 to 24 And then Frank Harris did what Frank's Frank Harris does all the time UTSA sure enough drove all the way down the field and scored in the last 15 seconds to win the game, like I said Craven you were there you were at the Alamo Dome down in San Antonio this weekend, what was that environment like and just how, what did you take away from that game overall.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty awesome game, especially in the the second half. You know, both teams were pretty slow out of the gates in the first half. It was 6 to 3 at halftime. Kind of a weird first half the way it went back and forth. UTSA's offensive line is so beat up. They just don't have yeah. the ability to run about half of their plays, you know. You can't you can't do vertical passing stuff because you don't have enough time to protect Frank. North Texas can only rush can rush four and get to you so they can drop seven and put people populate all the zone areas and get rid of some of that. So it was just tough for the UTSA offense to get going. They finally did in the second half, just in time for the North Texas offense to get going Mm -hmm. uh, from a passing standpoint. UTSA is now 16 and six in one possession games under Jeff trailer. He's coached in 22, one possession games out of 34 career college games. Like that's insane. Like every game at UTSA is this kind of like back and forth heart in your throat. Who's going to have the ball last type of stuff. And Frank Harris, again and again and again, proves clutch. You know, I've been calling him St. Frank, right? He needs to be knighted. Like he is, he has been the man for UTSA football. A lot of credit goes to Jeff Trailer, and it should, but the work that Frank Harris has done over the last couple of years has been incredible. He's turned this program completely around. I think he's the most important player ever at UTSA in 12 seasons. And that defense on the other side to hold North Texas to 22 yards. Mm-hmm. I know something, something that Jeff Trailer. He was an offensive coach his whole career. And he will mention that he always hated when he had to play with his left hand, meaning when a team would, when a defense would come in and take away the thing that they do best. And now I have to adjust and do something that maybe I don't want to do, but that's all I can do here. UTSA went in that game and said, we are not losing by them running the football. I don't care if they throw Mm -hmm. for a thousand yards on us. Like we're going to make Austin Ani beat us. And for to Austin, Austin Ani's credit, He put them in a position to have them winning that football game with less than two Mm -hmm. minutes to go. So I think North Texas offense did its job. This isn't to me, this isn't about North Texas losing this game or anything other than Frank Harris is a dude in crunch time who had too much time left and he did what he did against UAB. He did what he did against Western Kentucky. He's done this time and time again. It's just another example of, of him being the face of this program and probably the best G5 player in the state.
1: I was um, I was, of course, watching this game on the stadium app. First of all, the announcers were just saying how crazy loud it was in there and how crazy loud the student section, UTSA student section in the band would get when North Texas offense was right down by them. But so which says a lot to the, to the fan base and everything. But man, it was just I remember watching the last couple of seconds of the game and North Texas ends up taking the lead with, like I said, about a minute. 38 left in the game. And I just sat to myself and I just I just thought that is too much time for Frank Harris. Because earlier back in the season I got to see him do that same exact thing against Houston. Yep. To send them right into overtime. And I remember saying to myself in that game how how composed and how just clutch he came in in that game and I was like I I just knew it I knew it was coming and I when they he came out and did what Frank Harris does best, and he took them, took them, and um, all the way down to the field, and they ended up winning the game. But I just, I just knew that that was going to happen just because of how good that offense and Frank Harris is, and how important he is to that team. It looks like that they want to play for him, and they want to play for Jeff Tra- Trailer. They want to play for Frank Harris. That's it. That's just a really, really good football team, and they deserve to be the best team in Conference USA.
0: And it could be a rematch. We may see this thing again, you know, conference USA doesn't have divisions this mm-hmm. year because the teams left to, to the sun Belt, So they just scrapped that kind of stuff. North Texas can run the table and we could see this one again. And so mm-hmm. uh, it was a really good game. It's a fun rivalry. They've played 10 times now it's five to five, you know, it, it's one mm-hmm. of those, you know, I'm a wrestling fan, right. When, when two guys are wrestling and it's a great match, you know, you start chanting fight forever because you just want to see those guys fight every single week. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing with North Texas UTSA. It's become such a good rivalry yeah. that, I could watch it every single week. We just traded home games and just went back and forth. It'd be fun every single time
1: all the all the trash talk on Twitter was just great. I just yeah, love right? seeing it from both fan bases. I mean, it that that to me just is what makes college football so fun in the first place is is developing and creating those those rivalries.
0: And they get to kind of, you know, like when you went to school or you went to middle school or whatever, and you, you met up with your best friend or whatever, and it just made your life a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. I I know North Texas and UTSA are more frenemies than friends, yeah. but when they go to the American, it's like, Hey, we have this rivalry game already built in with us. Like it gives you an identity into a new conference. I think that's good for both programs.
1: Yeah. I feel like it's, it's more settling, you know, like they're going to, they're going to fit almost better, you know, in, in this new conference now that they have each other and they have that set rivalry, like you just said.
0: No more stadium app games for a game that's deciding one of the entries into the championship game. I mean, that is like if you wonder why a team leaves a conference. Yesterday is a perfect example. There are two three and O conference teams with the winner basically guaranteed at least one of the spots in the conference championship game, and it's on an app.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and the stream we can go off on that at another time. But the stream (laughs) was not great. I was frustrated. I couldn't watch a really good football game, but nonetheless, it ended up being a good game and good. Good confidence rivalry out of it. Let's move on a little closer to home. SMU falls 29 to 27 to number one, number 21, excuse me, Cincinnati. Um, I think if there's anything good to come out of this loss for SMU, it's got to be Preston Stone. He stepped in early in the fourth quarter, I believe, about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, and was able to pull together two touchdowns, two touchdown drives to put SMU within two, um, but it was just a little, little, little too late. Um, Cincinnati held SMU to only 259 total yards. Um, and then SMU just, they couldn't convert on third down. I think they, they only converted twice on 15 attempts. So just overall that, that offense just, just didn't look very good.
0: I think you're right. The silver lining is that Preston stone looked like what we thought Preston stone would be. I mean, he's a four-star recruit who was highly talented that you SMU beat out a lot of power five programs for, Rhett Lashley did say after the game that if Tanner, Tanner Mordecai had not gotten hurt, um, that he wouldn't have put Preston Stone in. So it didn't seem like a planned thing; it, it was mm-hmm, kind yeah. of a forced deal. Uh, but for SMU, the story of the season so far is that they just can't play four quarters of football. You know, they were down twenty-four-seven to TCU before coming back and making that one kind of a game. They were tied or around tied with UCF, and then thirty-one to nothing. UCF starts the second half and blows them out in that game. Then yesterday, they're down seventeen to nothing early in the second quarter to Cincinnati. And it's hard to play against good teams and play catch up that way, even at home. And so that run game really concerns me for SMU. They had 31 yeah. carries for 80 yards. It's only 2.6 yards a carry. That is why the third down stuff is so poor, because mm-hmm. you're either in third and long because you're just not getting into above the chains. You're not staying you know, on schedule there offensively. And then on third and three, you don't trust your run game enough to call a run game. You got to call a pass play because you just you don't trust them. That offensive right. line's not all that good. Cincinnati's really good up front. So they were able to, you know, get pressure on Mordecai and Stone. So you know, SMU three and four right now, still need three wins to get a bowl game. I don't know if they can find those three wins. They're probably gonna have to pull an upset or two. It's been a step back for SMU. Uh, this year but I do think you're starting to learn where the strengths are and where the weaknesses are for the Mustangs and they're going to have to go address those in the portal and that's offensive line running game and then defensive secondary
1: mm-hmm. and yeah like the the stretch they have coming up is just not easy they have Tulsa then they have to play Houston um, and then they've got Tulane and Memphis as well so I mean yeah like you said Finding three wins in those last five games is is pretty tough, and I think I think asking for three wins out of that stretch is is just a little too much
0: to handle for this team. Because for people not paying attention, Tulane is good.
1: Tulane like, is very good. They're at, they're 25th right now. Yeah, Tulane may be Bowl. the
0: best team in the conference, and, and so, that defense
1: is fantastic.
0: Right, and they've so got that one of the best defenses. That one feels off the board, you know, and so you're just mm-hmm. you're getting into a, a real fine margins here. Uh, but for SMU, I think when you're under a first-year head coach, it's okay. You're just building towards that right. next year. What do we have for that next year? It'll be interesting to see if Preston Stone gets more snaps as SMU starts looking towards the 2023 team.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, do you think this is more of like a Texas situation where we'll indefinitely see Quinn Ewer start next week? Or do you think this is, a, this is like a, hey, I don't think Tanner Mordecai is cutting it. I think we're going to try and go for Preston Stone just because of how how good and how composed he looked in that fourth quarter.
0: I haven't talked to coach Lashley about it, but I'd imagine it's going to be a mixed bag, you know, where they kind yeah. of rotate and find a way find ways to get Preston stone in there. Cause remember all offseason they talked about this being a real quarterback battle, that this wasn't just Tanner Mordecai's job. And Preston mm-hmm. stone was the backup that Preston stone was right there with them. If that's true, this last four games of the year, five games of the year, let's see some more of them and see who's going to be that starting quarterback next year. If Preston stone is your future, you might as well start that future now.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. All right, moving on down the list, and we're not going in power poll ranking uh, or the, the ranking of the power poll this week. We're kind of just moving down in the same order that we uh, that we did in the preview show, just to make it a little bit easier on us. And we know you guys care more about TCU than some of the other teams on this list. So Baylor beating a pretty down Kansas team, thirty-five to twenty-three, and. Baylor had the lead pretty much the whole game. However, I think the the second half kind of scared them just a little bit. They actually led twenty eight to three. Baylor led twenty eight to three at half. Um, Baylor fumbled on their second half opening drive, and Kansas was able to turn that into points. Kansas then went on to score twenty unanswered points to pull the game within just five it's got a little bit scary. And of course, you know, this is, a, this is a good win for Baylor. I don't want to take anything away from that, but this is a really, really down Kansas team playing without their starting quarterback.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look up, it's 28-3 at halftime. Baylor's coming off of a pseudo-buy since they had played, you know, midweek the week before. They mm-hmm. had a little extra time to get ready for this. And you're like, oh, okay, there's the Bears. 28-3, mm-hmm. offense is looking great. Blake Shapin was playing fine. Richard Reese, we'll talk about him a little bit more in a second, but he is, he is outstanding. Yeah. The defense was playing really well, and you're like, okay, well, here we go. Baylor's going to make a little bit of run here. They're starting to turn the corner. This is more of the Baylor team, I thought we were going to see and then second half turnovers, couple interceptions by shape in, the fumble you talked about, all of a sudden it's 28-23 with 6:29 left and you got to start paying attention. I was up in the press box waiting for the North Texas UTSA game mm-hmm. to start and it was like, oh man, I need to get my screen going to watch this. And, you know, to his credit, when they needed a score to kind of put to make put the game away, Kind of ease tension in this. They just handed the ball to Richard Reese, Quaylen Jones, and just let that running game mash them and it and it worked. Richard Reese had 31 carries for 186 yards and two touchdowns. That's a true freshman that weighs 175 pounds. He's a five-nine, 175-pound, 18-year-old true freshman, and Baylor's giving him 31 carries. That's where Baylor is right now. Mm -hmm. Like they have a dude, they have to ride that guy. And that's, you know, Dave Aranda and Jeff Grimes, to their credit, aren't caring about his age, aren't caring about any of that kind of stuff. They're just giving the ball. I'd love to see Texas kind of do something like that with John Robinson, where it's just like you're going to yeah. touch the ball 30 plus times. I'm sorry. That's just what it has to be. Uh, head You know, good, good on Baylor for doing that. A win is a win in the Big 12 this year. You know, every game is going to be close. Every game is going to be tight. You know, style points don't really matter. Uh, But I think if you're Baylor, you're concerned about that second half run and and what that looked like and and how you fix that going forward, because teams that are better than Kansas are going to beat you if you play that way.
1: Mm -hmm. I was just about to say three turnovers in total for the Bears and like obviously didn't really matter as much this week. They were well rested coming off a sito like you just said, but next week they have Texas Tech. And you can't make those mistakes. Um, if you're if you're going to play Texas Tech next week, because they're going to take advantage of it and they're going to pound you right in the mouth for it.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be on the road. Jones yes. Stadium is going to be sold out. You know, Patrick Mahomes is going to be in town. Joey McGuire is coaching against his former team, where he knows every single player basically on that team except for the new guys. Like, mm-hmm. you can't make those kind of mistakes against Texas Tech next week and win that football game.
1: Man, you almost have to play like a, an absolutely clean game for that to happen. I mean, like, I know we'll talk more about this next week, but I mean, what what do you say to your team going into this week? If you're Dave Aranda,
0: I think you sit down. I mean, the fumbles can be kind of freak stuff, right? Like every now and then just, you know, a helmet gets put in the right. But I I think with the interceptions, you have to go to Blake Shapin and just be like, Hey, you know, and it's tough because what Blake Shapen gives you on the positive side is what leads to this negative side. Like when Mm -hmm. you move from Gary Bohannon to Blake Shapin, you're trading more upside but you're going to have a few more negative plays. He's going to throw some interceptions because he's going to trust his arm to get to places that maybe a a Gary Bohannon wouldn't. I think if you're you're Dave Aranda, if you're Jeff Grimes, you go to Blake shaping and you go, punting is not bad. We're a running football team that plays defense and field position. We can't turn the ball over. We especially Mm -hmm. can't do it on the road next week against a good conference team. And so, you know, it's just ball security. And and that comes with experience. You know, we've seen Clayton Toon kind of go through – that evolution. Like this is what Quinn yours is going through it right now as well, uh, where you have to kind of learn and to pick your battles and when to take a risk and when not to take a risk. Mm
1: -hmm. And just before we move on from this, what do you think the ceiling is for this team just to finish out the rest of the season? They're already four and three. They're probably going to make, I'm sure they're going to make a bowl game. Um, But what do you think the ceiling is?
0: I think seven and five, eight and four is is the ceiling. I I don't think they're a big 12 contender. Everything would need to be go right and they would need to run the table um, to Mm -hmm. kind of get into that. They're just too inconsistent for me to believe that that's true. I I think right now it's a week by week basis with Baylor. Mm -hmm. We're seven games into their season and I really don't know who Baylor is. Yeah, they just lack an identity. And so you know, I think with each week we learn a little bit more, but they're just so up and down. It's hard to imagine them going on a real work run and making a, a big 12, you know, kind of push here. Yeah, I think it's more about, you know, just finishing the season with as many wins as possible, getting some feel goods into that locker room. And like we were talking about earlier, you start building towards 2023.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to Houston. They finally pull it off 38 to twenty win over navy and just houston was just in full control of this entire game they led from start to finish clayton toon looked absolutely fantastic 21 for 30 261 yards and five touchdowns and no interceptions i might add um definitely that was a career high for clayton toon he was able to find three different re- receivers in the end zone Tank Dell, matt byrons and sam brown all combined of course for five touchdowns just a really really good dominant showing for houston and this had to be the first game of the season that that they kind of knew their fate coming into this game like they they were able to take control of this game there was there was no need for crunch time points there were no no last minute late game kind of pressure pressure situations they kind of came into this game dominated it and now they get to move on to next week
0: Yeah, good on Houston for not playing down to their competition coming out of an open week. You know, I think that did them a lot of well. I would imagine there was some soul-searching and come-to-Jesus moments behind the scenes over those last Mm -hmm. couple weeks because they came in with such high expectations that a 3-3 and start could have dashed that locker room. You know, like, hey, we thought we were going to be playing a New York Six Bowl, and we already have three losses. Let's just pack this one in. This is not going to be our year. You know, so good on them for coming out. That Navy team's not very good, so it's hard to take. You know this too seriously right like this is a game they should have won by you know mm-hmm. a wide margin so good on them for doing it donovan mutant had, had 13 tackles on the defensive side this this game matched up well for texas or well for houston mm-hmm. uh, because navy's a running team and, and Houston's strength defensively is in that front seven it's when they play teams that can push the ball down the field and test that secondary where houston really struggles. so a good matchup for houston coming out of an open week everything pointed in to one of these type of performances so uh good on the cougars good on clayton tune for finding it uh one more thing on that stacy sneed had 100 yards rushing i think that's really important for houston they've been trying to find balance and when you can average five yards a carry like that and your offensive line can play well that's how clayton tune throws for five touchdowns because all of a sudden the secondary you know can't double guys can't just play zone you gotta you gotta uh, pay attention to the run and when houston can be balanced that offense is really good
1: Mm -hmm. Just like uh, Clayton Toon, Stacey Sneed also rushed for a career high of 100 yards, and and Donovan Mutant also logged a career high of 13 tackles. So really, really good showing all around for this Houston team. And they moved to, I believe, four and three on this season. Um, Are we still thinking they're going to get a bowl game? Can they pull out two wins?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I think for Houston, it's they, you know, they, their thoughts should be running the table to finish this thing out mm-hmm. and see if they can kind of crash the conference championship party if Cincinnati or Tulane struggles down the stretch. And so, you know, Houston should be favored or, or pretty close to it in every game remaining. So if they can play like they did yesterday, where they don't turn the ball over and the defense shows up again. It's hard to judge against Navy because that's not an offense they're gonna right. play against the rest of the rest of the way. So like was the defense better or did that just suit what the defense did? But yeah, I think if you're Houston, you're 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 more worried about trying to go eight and four, nine and three than you are just trying to get to six wins. You you should easily get to do that.
1: Right. Like like that SMU game that they've gotten in a couple of weeks. Like that's that's probably going to look much, much different than this right. Navy game just because right. of, of the style of offensive play that SMU produces rather than Navy. So Anyways, we'll see in the next coming weeks for that. Let's move on to probably the biggest win that we have this weekend. Texas Tech dominating West Virginia 48 to 10. If I have anything to say about this, welcome, Baron Morton. I'm sure we will be seeing you around more often in Lubbock. 325 yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions for the quarterback just an absolutely outstanding performance and I, I think that secondary also just wreaked havoc on West Virginia four turnovers in that game and this just to me that just this just felt like an honestly like a maybe a new era in this Texas Tech team just from from Baron Morton playing really well seeing a really good showing from the secondary like this is this might be a new era for the Texas Tech team after this week
0: this is what Joey McGuire wants his football team to look like. Yeah. They ran a hundred plus plays. They were balanced though. Morton throws 44, 45 times. They ran the ball 54 times. And so, you know, they were still a little bit more run than they were past, but they were able to, you know, throw for over 300 yards, rack up over a hundred plays Three interception, three interceptions for the defense. You know, they want to be that take three defense. They they went over some numbers in the offseason and realized that if you can take three turnovers away from the other team, you win something like 90 percent of mm-hmm. the time. Um, and so he wants his he knows his team's going to give up yards, but he wants them to to bend, but don't break and then get some turnovers, get some sacks, play that way. And then he wants his offense to look exactly like it did yesterday. We can talk about Baron Morton all day, and I do think he's the future of Texas Tech. I, I think he is the quarterback for the Zach Kittley offense. He's the most talented quarterback on that roster, and, and Texas Tech, without injury, should just ride him out the rest of the way. But also, the ground game was awesome. Taj yeah. Brooks, 17 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns, really set the tone early. He had a couple of those runs early in the first quarter that kind of set the tone and gave Texas Tech that opportunity, so... Uh, yeah, big, a big win for the Red Rainers coming off of an open week. They should have beat this West Virginia team. They did. They're now 4-3 and three and you know, on track to reach a bowl game. They got Baylor at home next week. That can be a signature win. That's going to be 6-30 at Jones Stadium. Like I mentioned earlier, Mahomes is going to be there. This place is going to be packed. I'll be there, so that'll be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, we'll learn a lot about Texas Tech next week. This West Virginia team has been pretty bad on the road. They've played well at home, like when they beat Baylor, but they've played pretty bad on the road, like that road game against Texas earlier this year. And so for Texas Tech, good on you for for winning a game that you were supposed to. Now let's see if you can carry it over into a game that's going to be a little bit more closely contested talent-wise.
1: Do you think they're going to continue with this more um, balanced offensive attack? seeing how well that it worked this week. Cause I know, I know just from a Zach Kitley offense, they want to throw the ball. They want to throw the ball more than they run the ball, but having weapons on, you know, at running back at wide receiver, I mean, might as well try and continue with this balance attack.
0: Yeah. I I think, especially with a younger quarterback, you don't want to put so much on his shoulders where he's throwing 65% of the time. And you're just, you know, Hey, it's on you to sling it around and win this football game Mm -hmm. for us. If you can run the ball consistently, you know, you get into third and manageable situations. You put your offensive line in good spots because that defensive line just can't pin their airs back and just rush at you. They have to worry about the run game, and that gives you a little bit of extra time as a blocker. Um, and I know Joey McGuire worries a lot about complementary football. Mm-hmm. And if you start throwing the ball around too much, that can get out of whack because yeah, you can have some quick scoring drives, but you can also have some really quick three and outs, and that puts some onus on your defense that right now isn't deep or talented enough to deal with that. So maybe as more recruiting classes come in and that defense gets a little bit deeper and a little bit better, we start to see that governor come off of Zach Kitley a little bit. Mm-hmm. But right now, I do think Joey is looking over at him and going, we want to be about 50-50, not only for our offense and for our young quarterback but to take some pressure off this defense so we don't have to face 80 to 90 to 100 plays a game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- I think just in total, this team looks like a team that wants to contend for a Big 12 title here in the next couple of years. And, and, and the way that Joey McGuire is recruiting and the way these guys want to play for him, I can definitely see them being an actual real contestant for a Big 12 title here in a couple of years.
0: And one of the reasons for that is they're going to make West Texas one of the toughest places mm-hmm. to play in college football. Like Jones Stadium is already an intimidating place to play when they're really good. The problem is Texas Tech hadn't been very good in a while. But I, when I was in college, I was at the Michael Crabtree catch game. Oh, and it that's was one, so cool. It, is, it was one of the craziest atmospheres I've ever seen in my life. And that's if wild. that becomes a pretty regular basis type thing in Lubbock, Texas Tech's going to compete for Big 12 championships because it's going to be hard as heck to go into to Lubbock and win football games. And if you can hold court at home, you can, you can do a lot of things. And that's also going to help recruiting. You get some recruits out there for a 6.30 mm-hmm. game against Baylor with a packed place, tortillas flying everywhere. Who wouldn't want to play there, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's what all this stuff ties together. Joey knows that. And he's doing a good job so far of, of not neglecting any one thing for the other. He has taken this mm-hmm. all as one big pie. And you can see it kind of building. And I agree with you. I think within a couple of years, Texas Tech's going to be right there with TCU, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati in in terms of like consistent year in, year out competition. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. Yeah, next week, next week should be electric. I'm really jealous that you get to go there. That'll be, that'll be really, really cool and super fun. All right, let's move on. Hoot hoot. Rice gets it done. 42 to 41 over Louisiana Tech in over time and would you know it we got a clean game from tj mcmahon let's all give a round of applause here 280 yards three touchdowns and zero interceptions which sounds great right still had about three turnovers rice fumbled the ball three times throughout the game one of which they did end up uh, they end, did end up getting it back two of those they ended up losing rice was down pretty early uh 27 to 21 early in the fourth quarter and then tj mcmahon just took off on a 64 yard touchdown run to take the lead what did you think about that because i saw that and was like holy crap hello tj no. mcmahon
0: i said something worse than holy crap when i saw it <laughs> i i <laughs> I didn't think he had that in him. No. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't think he had that in him. I think if you're Louisiana tech, you're a little bit worried about your speed on the back end. <laughs> 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 um, uh, because like, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Montgomery. their little running back caught up with everybody and kind of made himself in between TJ man, yeah. man and the defender or whatever. But like how quickly he was able to catch up with everybody should be concerning for all <laughs> parties involved. Yeah. Uh, you know, good on rice. They were down 10, nothing after the first quarter. We saw this Louisiana tech team do that utep and get utep out of its game completely and then just fall apart rice to its credit stayed the course um they didn't turn the ball over through the air as you mentioned those fumbles put them in a hole early on but they kept running the football and then luke mccaffrey had 10 catches for 171 yards two touchdowns he also had you know around 30 yards rushing in a touchdown so 200 total yards three touchdowns this is a guy that was playing quarterback last year you know, and so yeah. that McCaffrey family, those genes, man, they need to start creating more kids. Like they, Seriously. like there's some genetic freaks out there. But you know, Rice is now four and three. They got mm-hmm. Charlotte up next. They got UTEP after that. This dream of getting to six wins by the end of October uh, is right there. If they could just lower this turnover amount, yeah, if they can just get the turnovers under control. They're a tough out in Conference USA. And, you know, they got a dark horse chance to to really make some noise here, upset some teams because they still have North Texas. They still have UTSA. They can play spoiler, uh, get to a bowl game and have a signature season under Mike Blue Green. Congratulations to the Owls. That was, that was an awesome road win for them. Mm-hmm. And, to, you know, because they were up by eight, they allow that late yep. touchdown and a two point conversion. And you could have just folded from there, you know, and then they come up and they, you know, bow their heads, bow their necks and get that two point uh, conversion stop in overtime. And so. Uh, this defense continues to be clutch. If they can just elim- limit the mistakes, you know, they're, they're, they're a solid football team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a gutsy call though. You know, yeah. do you think, do you think so? And, 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 and it's not even like, it was like a pass breakup or anything by Rice. I mean, LaTeX quarterback, like overthrew him by like a mile. And I think it looked like he was looking for a, for a PI, you know, but it, it didn't end up happening. And it was just such a, a weird way to close out the game. Cause everyone was kind of looking around, like was that PI? I don't know, but like overthrown by like a mile.
0: I don't, I, it's not like I talk to Sonny Cumbie all that often anymore since he's out of the state. So I don't yeah. know this answer for sure, but I would imagine he looked at his defense and went, well, we can't stop him. We're, yeah. we're dead. We're just done. Right. Like we're, we're not, we're not going to stop him again. We're two yards away from winning this game. I trust my offense more than my defense. Let's just go figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. I, that's the only thing I can think of that, that probably uh, caused that decision.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But very interesting. Good, good win for the Owls. Like you said, they're now at four wins on the season. They have Charlotte next week and then they, they play UTEP and they got to win both of those games, I think, because the rest of the stretch for them, they've got to play, they got to play North Texas. They got to play Western Kentucky. They got to play, still play UTSA. Right. So I think those are the last five games. So I think if, if they're wanting to make a bowl game, they got to win these next two weeks, which they should beat Charlotte. That UTEP game might be a little yeah. bit closer, but they they should easily beat that Charlotte team. Yeah, that,
0: that Charlotte team is one of the top five, te- worst teams, Yeah, worst five teams in the country, lost to FIU pretty yeah. handily over the weekend. Um, that UTEP game could determine a lot for both programs. We're going to talk about UTEP mm-hmm. here in a little bit. For both programs, that could be kind of a money game there in terms of bowl eligibility. Yeah,
1: yeah, that, that should be a good game. Speaking of... UTEP beats FAU 24 to 21. And overall, I think this was not a, a super pretty game, but it's a win. It's a win for UTEP. Um, the, kick, the the game ended in a game-winning field goal as time expired on the clock. But before that, there was like a really weird series of events that happened. Did you hear about this? You didn't hear? Okay, so, so at the very end, UTEP kicks the game-winning field goal. But right before that, on FAU's final drive, so FAU scores a touchdown and then they go ahead and attempt that extra point. And then it ended up getting blocked by praise. Um, how do you say his last name?
0: Malloway. Yes. M-L-A-W-A.
1: Yes, it's blocked M-L-A-W-A. by him. yeah, yeah, Pre's A. We'll call him praise. He returned so it was blocked by him. he was it ret- it was returned for of course two points. However, when it was blocked, he used his face mask to do it. Like it accidentally hit his face mask, took his helmet off. So he was playing without a helmet. So it resulted in an unsportsmanlike penalty. And so FAU got to re-kick that and tie up the game. So really, really weird series of events that happened. And honestly, credit to UTEP because they could have taken that and that, that could have just screwed with them. And then they could have just completely botched that that final drive, sent them into overtime, and who knows what have would have happened. But kudos to them for kind of shaking that weird event off, um, and then closing out the game with a pretty good win.
0: Yeah, they keep their bull hopes alive. You know, the whole you know expectations are different at different places, right? This isn't yeah. a place that's competing for conference championships or anything like this. Is get to six wins? You get to six wins, that that's that's success. Mm-hmm. They're four and four now, you know, only 26 passing attempts. We've kind of talked about that this year when they throw the ball fewer than 30 times, they're pretty good. Yep. And they're on schedule and they're going to play a solid football game. If they're throwing over 30 times, that means some things have gone wrong. They're, they're in a hole and they're trying to play catch up. They're able to keep it close throughout that game. So they could stay on track. Dion Hankins had 17 carries for 138 yards as a team. They averaged 5.7 yards a carry that's where you want to be. And then defensively, we're starting to see that front seven live yep. up to the hype a little bit. Jadrian Taylor had two sacks. Uh, the linebacker play has been really well, really good as of late. And so, um, yeah, a, a good win for UTEP, one that keeps their hopes alive, one that keeps this locker room together, right? Because they're they're trying to get to a bowl game, too. That carrot is still out there. They have some winnable games left. We talked about that Rice game being possibly a money game. Uh, they still play North Texas that can get – or, no, they already play North Texas. They still play, you know, a couple of teams that they can win. And yeah. so – um you know it is still out there for them and uh, that's impressive we saw this UTEP team early in the year you know play pretty poorly you know, off yeah. to a 1 and 3 start lost lost to north texas lost to new mexico and it was like uh oh what is this going to be is this going to be a 3 and 3 and 9 season a 2 and 10 season but here they are at 4 and 4 still everything out there in front of them to play for credit to dana dimmel and that program for for keeping it together it would have been very easy to revert back to the winless 2017 team or the one win team in 2018 Absolutely. and in 2019 and the sky has fallen. Here we go again. Instead, they got together. They said we're not going to waste this opportunity and, and they've they've salvaged this season and they still have plenty to play for with four games remaining. And I think if you asked Dana Dimble, that's all he would have hoped for.
1: Yep. Yep. I agree. Um, they have uh middle Tennessee up next, which that's what it is. Yeah. They should be, a, should have, I mean, they're not very good. Like that might, they beat Miami, but that Miami team is terrible. Like you saw in person. Um, then they go play at rice. So then they play FIU that's gotta be a win. And they close it out with UTSA, but they should be able to scrap together two wins to, yeah. to reach a bowl game.
0: Cause that, I mean, they beat that FIU team. Right. And that, I mean, again, that, that UTEP rice game could be winner goes to bowl game. Loser does not type yes. situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny. They're, so they're four and four. right? They got they four wins. And it, it seems like a lot of these Texas teams need at least two more wins to reach yeah. a bowl game. So this second half of the season, we might get to see some pretty good football with yeah. teams trying to push for that last last couple of wins to make a bowl game. So, yeah, there's not. I us. mean,
0: TCU, TCU's like that team on the edge, yes. right at seven and zero. Oh but there's not really like a, just a completely just awful team, you know? And so right, right. everybody's kind of bunched up into the middle that makes things interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on. We got two games left. Let's start off with Texas state loses to Southern miss in a 20 to 14 bummer. I mean, they should have had it. They really should have had it. I don't think this was the best offensive showing for Texas state that we've seen Um, Southern Miss led for most of the game, pretty much only allowing Texas State to score once the whole game. That last touchdown came in the final two minutes of the game where they took the lead. Southern Miss comes back to score to take the 20 to 14 lead. Texas State then throws an interception on their final drive, which was pretty much the nail in the coffin. And man, just looking at the stat, they just, they just could not run the ball. I mean, they finished with negative six rushing yards, negative six rushing yards in the entire game. That, that Southern missed front seven is damn good. And just too much for them to handle.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so it, it it sucks because like Texas State's defense is playing so well. They look you know? so good. And then the Texas State offense finally gets a big play and they go and score and touchdown just in time for the defense to allow one back, you know? Yeah. And I was listening to this uh on the way home. I actually passed San Marcus like as the mm-hmm. game was like oh, in cool. crunch time or whatever. Um, and so I just feel, i feel bad for that for that team right it's like they put themselves in position to win they had the lead laid on you want the defense out on the field that's your best unit and, and credit to southern miss for coming up you know with enough plays to get down there and go score to me the thing that stood out is texas state didn't score a single point on three turnovers you know the defense yep, came right. up with three turnovers texas state didn't convert those into any points you have to convert turnovers are useless if you don't score on them mm-hmm. absolutely and so When you when you come up with zero on three turnovers, you're going to lose football games, even at home. And so uh, this could be one of those where we look back at the end of the year or at the end of the Jake Spavadol era and kind of point to this game as one that was allowed away that they would want back. That could have changed the trajectory of the twenty twenty two season and maybe the trajectory of, you know, the coaching staff and who's involved and who's not moving forward.
1: Yeah. Defense, three turnovers, 12 tackles for a loss, and three sacks. It was just one of those that the offense just really, really let them down. Because it's, like, it's sad
0: to see. If you're, when you're a head coach, your side of the ball needs to be good, right? Like if yes. you're Steve Sarkisian, yeah. the offense should be good. If you're Dave Aranda, the defense should be good. <laughs> if you're Jake Spavadol, the offense needs to be good. You can't you can't be losing football games because of the side of the ball that you're the expert on. Right. And right now, Texas state is three and five and they probably should be five and three with Mm -hmm. just an adequate offense. They beat Troy last week. If they have an adequate offense, they beat Southern miss this week. If they have an adequate offense, two games in a row of only scoring 14 points Sun sunbelt play it's 2022. You're not going to win many football games Mm -hmm. that way. They should be up near the thirties, especially with turnovers. And they just couldn't get it done to your point you can't run the football all of a sudden now it's on Lane Hatcher. Who is not like he's got a cannon of, a, of an arm. No. You're not, you know, it's going to be short intermediate passing stuff, screen game, quick game, stuff like that. When you don't have an offensive line that's given you a lot of time when you don't have an offensive line that provides any holes to run the football on, you're not going to get much better than they did. You know, they had two, you had 254 yards passing 74 of that came on that one throw.
1: Yeah. Late <laughs> the
0: game on the touchdown, Pat, you know? Yeah. So, you know, they're averaging three, four yards, a, a an attempt, you know, otherwise. And so uh, just not not a great offensive performance for Texas State. And I, I think that's the concerning part. If you're losing games 42 to 38 with an offensive coach, it feels like that's more understandable. Right. But right. When, when you're not scoring. Is, yeah. Yeah. When the defense is playing this well and it's like, man, it's your side of the ball and he's the offensive coordinator. Right. You know, it's like it's your side of the ball that's costing us bowl eligibility. That's a problem. That, that's 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 a concern that has to be fixed this year. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's offensive line, if it's quarterback, if it's the scheme, if it's all of the above, but you can't be losing football games in this way at home under a new administration who didn't hire you right. and hope to hope to stay around. It's just, you just can't do it. No.
1: And, and not to mention it, this isn't a, this isn't a Sun Belt conference that just to, is continuing to get better. I mean, they've proven that they've got teams that can really, really compete and that are really good. And this is a good, I think this is a pretty good Texas state team compared yep. to years in the past, but you're stuck in a conference that's just growing and getting much, much better. I mean, it's just, it just becomes to the point where it's like, when, when is enough? Enough, yeah. you know? And they're at three and five right now. Of course, they got to win three more to make a bowl game. And it, it, I don't, I don't know if they can do it. They've got four games left. They'd have to win three in the last final four games
0: because it seems like belt, too much to ask. The Sun Belt's the sexy G5 conference right now. Uh huh. And you're the only in-state program in that conference. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you should be doing better. Like, right. you, 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 should, you should be doing better on the recruiting trail. You should be doing better in the transfer portal. Like, you should be capitalizing on this conference's clout. And right now, Texas State isn't. They're an afterthought in the Sun Belt, and that can't be a good thing for a, a new admin that really does care about athletics.
1: Right. I mean, you're in a good recruiting hotbed. I mean, yeah. that San Marcos, San Antonio area, you're, yeah, you're competing with UTSA, but you're both at G5 levels. You know, you should be able to pull at least a couple of them, you know, in that little hotbed there. But yeah, I mean, like you said, recruiting is just, it just hasn't been there. And they need to start looking somewhere else if they can't pull in from their own area. But anyways, let's go ahead and move on to our final game of the week. Sadly we have to we have to close this on a, a loss for our Texas team. Texas A&M loses another 130 to 24 to South Carolina. And just to highlight even more how bad this is, Texas A&M has now lost its last 4 games against unranked FBS opponents. Jimbo Fisher is 2 and 6 in their last 8 games against FBS competition. It is just it's so bad. Hay- Haynes King throws an interception on Texas A&M's first drive of the game. And I think I think that's all she wrote pretty much in that first. It, it just kind of really felt like it set the tone. And, and, of course, they kept it in within a couple of points here and there throughout the game. They never really got to take the lead. They were down by three a couple of points. But I feel like – I kind of just feel like that – and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that opening drive, that opening interception by Haynes King – kind of set the tone for this Texas A&M team because this is a this is a game that they should have won.
0: Yeah, I mean that that set the tone. I think if the tone was set even earlier. I mean, South Carolina returned the opening kickoff back right. 100 yards for a touchdown. Then you yeah. throw an interception, they go score again, and then they score again. It's 17 to nothing before A&M really yep. gets out of the out of the blocks. You know, they're up 17 to nothing with about 9 minutes and change less left in the first quarter. We've watched enough Texas A&M offense to know well, that leads probably insurmountable. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like they may not get to 17 points. They were able to get to 24. But, um, you know, South Carolina only needed eight more points after the first six minutes mm-hmm. of the game to win this football game. And so uh, A&M three and four, I think they're obviously playing um, towards 2023. Now we got to see a little bit of Connor Wigman late in the game, eight mm-hmm. of 15 for 91 yards. You know, Devon A-Chain is still the only thing keeping that offense going. He had 20 carries. He had seven catches over 150 yards of total offense. I do think one positive is you've that 2022 recruiting class is starting to look like the real deal. Yeah. Diggs on the defensive line, Walter Nolan looks really good. Evan, Evan Stewart's he's a guy like Mm -hmm. that. He is a dude like that. Six catches, 87 yards. Like he's going to be a number one wide receiver. You hit there. Donovan green at tight end is an emerging star. Jimbo Fisher offenses really like to use the tight end. He's going to be really good. He Mm -hmm. reminds me a little bit of Jatavion Sanders over at at UT. So the the pieces are in place. They just don't have the scheme. They don't have the belief. And they don't have the leadership to go on the road and win close games like that. You come out of a bye. And then you're down 17 to nothing within six minutes, you know, like yeah. you have two weeks to prepare and the opening kickoff gets run back for a touchdown. And then you finally get the ball and you throw an interception, interception. you know yeah. and that. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm glad that 13 days really did us good, <laughs> you know? And yeah. so that's, to me, that's all coaching. This isn't a talent thing. A&M has more talent than South Carolina. We've seen mm-hmm. plenty of Spencer Rattler here in the state of Texas, right? We know what that's about. Mm-hmm. South Carolina is not this great football team. AM is a better football team, but they're not good at quarterback. They're not good on the offensive line. They play really sloppy, immature football at times. Yeah. Some of that's because it's a young roster. But I think in the offseason, and everybody's talked about this, this is not a unique thought on my, my part. But in the offseason, Jimbo Fisher needs to look in a mirror, and he has to decide if his ego is more important than winning. Yeah. And if it's not, if winning really is the most important thing to him, He's going to have to take a step back, get some new blood in there on the coaching staff and kind of be more CEO manager than on the thumb offensive coordinator, Colin plays, you know, take in every single thing into my account. You know, like he needs to be more Mac Brown, more Sonny Dykes, more Nick Saban mm-hmm. and less Jimbo Fisher until he does that. It's hard for me to believe that he will, but if he, if he doesn't, this is who AM is, right? They're going to be a supremely talented roster that finishes eight and four, seven and five, you know, in that range. You look at that schedule though. I'm not sure AM reaches a bowl game. No, you know, like gonna they're going to have, yeah. they, they still got Ole Miss. LSU is looking like a really good football team. So that's two losses right there. They'd have to win every single other game and that includes Florida. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if, if you're Jimbo Fisher, it, it, I think it starts with you. It starts with introspection and and it starts with the maturity to go, okay, maybe it's time for me to be more CEO than X's and O's coach. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he'll do it, but it feels like the writing's on the wall that he needs to, because I mean, you you can't, you can't, and this is going to sound bad, but you can't spend the money that they're spending and get this type of results. It almost becomes like NFL football. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you're investing that kind of money, people want a return on investment. They want an ROI, and right. you're not getting it on the coaching staff and you're not getting it on the players. No group either. And so, uh, this is probably a $30 million football team between Jimbo's salary, the coaching staff, and IL and stuff. Yeah. And IL and all that kind of stuff. It's probably $30 million football team. South Carolina is not that. South no. Carolina is a growing football team that's still trying to figure it out under a first time head coach who's in his second year ever doing this thing. And they outcoach Jimbo Fisher's staff.
1: It, we, not, I mean, we even, we even, we talked about this in the in the preview show. I mean, we talked about how Shane Beamer is this young guy who is respected by the South Carolina team, and we even said it. We said that might be enough to come out and beat this more talented Texas A and M team, yep. and we were right. You know,
0: you look, you look around the state, you look around the country. The teams that are playing really well are, are teams that are having fun playing football. Yep. And right now, it does not seem to be very fun to play football at Texas A&M. No, not at all. That that has to change. Yeah.
1: Um, And before we move on, we did get to see a little bit of Connor Wigman. Do you think that he is the future of this program? Or, I mean, are are we going to see Jimbo Fisher hit the transfer portal pretty heavy at that position? Or maybe a little bit of both?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a little bit of both. I think you're going to have to hit the transfer portal either way, but I think you, lose, you use these last five games to answer that question. Yeah. If he plays really well down the stretch or at least showed you some promise down the stretch, and you can go, okay, there's our quarterback. We'll go to the transfer portal and try to get a backup, a developmental guy. We'll go you know, recruit. We'll get, we'll get some guys behind him, but Connor Wigman's our guy. Or, and this is just as beneficial to find out, you find out that maybe he's not the guy you thought he was in recruiting. And now we need to go hit the transfer portal and get a legit starting quarterback to come in day one and start on this offense. To me though, it's bigger than personnel. It's what scheme are they going to be running? And if you're Connor Wigman, can you grade him with this scheme? Like, is he going to look average because he's average? Or is he going to look average because his offense is so hard? Yeah. And so- it's hard to judge those guys. Like, I still don't know if Haynes King is a good quarterback or an overrated quarterback. Right. Because, like, if he was playing for a different coach, would he look better or worse? Like, I, I don't know. Like, look what happens to Max Duggan. Like, mm-hmm. Max Duggan is basically Haynes King for his first couple of years. He gets Garrett Riley and Sonny Dykes to be his offensive coordinator. And now he's a Heisman Dark Horse and they're undefeated. Yeah. You know, like none of it's this a good stuff example. Happen- yeah. None of this stuff happens in a vacuum. It's all interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so are the problems the quarterback? Are the problems schematic? Are the problems, you know, cultural? Like what is happening at a on offense? It has to get fixed because you just like you, you're paying too much money to be three and four.
1: Right. Right. And like you said earlier, I mean, this should be a team that is over delivering, over promising on the offensive side of the ball because you've got Jimbo Fisher as your head coach. And the fact that this defense, this young defense is outplaying your offense week after week after week. That's a really bad sign. You got to find somebody else to call some plays or we're going to see this next year. We're going to see this year after you're going to start losing recruits and it's just going to fall. You're going to fall behind in the sec.
0: He'd be on the hot seat already. If he didn't have that guaranteed contract.
1: Yep. No doubt about that. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. The state went seven and five overall over 500, which is pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Um, please make sure to go subscribe to us on op- Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I think we're everywhere, wherever we get you podcasts. Um, please leave your feedback. We always appreciate constructive criticism. We're still a growing podcast. So, um, you know, leave what you like, leave what you don't like. Uh, we always enjoy that constructive criticism. We will be back this Wednesday at 2 p.m. for your week nine preview. Really excited about that. We got a really good couple of games coming up in this next week. So we're super, super excited to get on that. Any final words from the happy college football insider, Mike Craven?
0: No, I'm also excited about next week, just to give some people a tease. I get to follow around Joey McGuire kind of in bed with Texas tech for, for 36, 48 hours going into that Baylor game and just kind of see how they prepare, how they get going, what they do on Friday, what they do leading into kickoff. So uh, we're, we're going to try to get Patrick Mahomes and Joey Maguire in the same camera shot, talking about being on the cover of Dave Campbell. So, uh, stay, stay tuned. We're going to try to try to content this thing up over the next few weeks. we got some exciting stuff going on. So I'm pretty, pretty pumped. I, I, uh, is kind of a tangent, but I hit a funk in a wall around week four to week six, where it's just like, oh man, the season's long. And it's like, gonna, there's like 10 more weeks left and mm-hmm. I, you know, you just kind of hit this kind of funk. But then you get past week six, week seven, you get kind of to that downhill part where you start seeing who the good teams are. The storylines start emerging, bowl games and conference championships start to kind of Mm -hmm. become clearer. And it's the best. I mean, end of October, November is the best time of the sporting calendar in general, but it absolutely is for college football. So uh, it's a good time. I I hope you all enjoy this coverage and and keep coming back, TexasFootball.com
1: absolutely make sure uh you check out our tiktok we'll probably have some really really cool videos that craven will get from this week at baylor so give us a follow on there as well
0: mr tiktok
1: mr t- mr worldwide tiktok yeah we he put out a he, he sent me a video on uh uh it was i guess the texas ou game right yeah. of the of the stadium and man it went like viral mega viral on our tiktok so shout out to you for that you are you have taken my title as to <laughs> Flexing over there. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you the TikTok master from now on. I, I have been replaced. So
0: put that on my resume.
1: Put that on your resume. I love it. Well, with that being said, we have interviewed 12 of the eventual 13. Shout out Sam Houston, FBS head coaches on our show. Jimbo Fisher, give us a call. I know you got some time. Go wreckers.